Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I am your host Igoma and Michelle, and today is day fifty-one of our Bible in a Year challenge. Today also happens to be our last day in this third timeline of our Bible journey. The third out of twelve timelines that is Egypt and Exodus. By tomorrow, we'll be moving into the fourth, which is the Desert Wanderings. I am so excited. I hope you're excited too that we finally made it up until this point. And with that, anyways, let us dive right in. So today we'll be looking at Exodus, Leviticus, and Psalms. We'll be looking at Exodus and Leviticus for the last time. So like right after today, you can boast that you've read Exodus and Leviticus, the whole of it. (laughs) And it has been an amazing journey so far. It has been very descriptive, very definite and precise. And today we kind of see that in play again, where it talks about how the priestly garments were made to the exact specifications that God gave and then I don't know if you wondered this but I have wondered like while we we were journeying especially with Exodus and Leviticus um, there are some times that the narrative um, gets paused and then emphasis is like placed on the um, precision and on the requirements that God has given about how the temple or the tent of meeting should be made and the things they were to use to worship him and the garments like sometimes we've seen that over the couple of days so why like why was it that important like you do know that the 73 books of the bible are not the only um scripts that were written they're not the only scripts that were written concerning god it was like chosen out of like thousands of scripts so why why was this particular Part chosen. Why? Why was it put in the Bible in the first place? Why is it really important to know the specifics? I mean, we don't worship God that way anymore. So why was it important to add that to the Bible? I think it's because it also tells us and lets us know that the way we worship God is important. As important as it is to love God and to serve Him and to worship Him the way we choose to worship him is equally as important i don't know maybe i i hope i'm this um uh, my listeners come from a wide range but i'm catholic anyways and from my experience as a catholic i have had or i've heard so many things being said about how um we have like images and how we have like statues and how we use like the rosary and all of those things we use in mass how it's like a form of idol worship because um god said that we shouldn't make any graven image or anything like that and then we're using those things or like we're worshiping it rather than god anyways um i take solace in the fact that this kind of thing has happened before so this is not the first time we're using things to worship god and today's um chapter in exodus kind of gives us an example of that in the old covenant so I would say this, like God did tell the Israelites, right? It's part of the Ten Commandments that, okay, do not make any graven image, do not worship, do not make an image and then worship it, do not, pretty much do not worship idols. But that same God still gave instructions that the image of the sculpture of the cherubims should be placed on the mercy seat, which was placed on top of the ark, which was placed in the holies of holies. That is like the holiest place of the temple the place where the priest goes in once every year that was literally where god descended every single time um he wanted to have communication with the israelites 
So why would that same God give that instruction? Like, I mean, we can argue that the cherubims were images of a creature or a being. So did it mean that the Israelites were worshipping the cherubims? Or did it mean that the Israelites were worshipping the lampstands or the altar for burning incense or any of that? No. No, it didn't mean that. Those things were used to worship God. Same case it is with Catholics, with us. We use the rosary, we use the altar, we use the chalice, we use the candles, we use all those things. We use the crucifix to worship God. We don't worship those things. We use them to worship God. Why? Because that is how God has instructed for him to be worshipped. We don't worship God the way we want to worship him. We worship him the way he has told us to worship him. I hope uh, that I hope that's kind of cleared out. Um, anyways, one other thing that I would like to state is the fact that those things before they were consecrated were just ordinary. The cloths were ordinary. I mean, every single thing, the materials that were used to make those things came from the Israelites themselves. I mean, we talked about how they contributed those things. So they were ordinary. They were pretty much used for like everyday life. Gold was used as jewelry. The cloths and the linings were used as normal clothes for everyday usage. But the moment those things got consecrated, it was stated that God made them holy. So holy to the point that if you are not fit, if you are not in the position to do so, you cannot touch those things. You cannot just touch it. You cannot even go near them. Only the Levites were allowed to serve in the temple. And even among the Levites, there were specific people that were only allowed to handle and to touch those things. That's because God had already consecrated them and made them holy. Same case it is with the rosary and the things we use to worship God. The moment we take them, we call them sacramentals, if you don't know that. We call those things sacramentals. The moment we take them to the priest to bless them and to pray upon them and to make them holy, there are no longer normal things. Rosaries are made from beads or threads. Some rosaries are made from gold. Those things are like normal. Without consecration, without being blessed, they're like normal necklaces. They're normal things you can use and throw away. But the moment they get consecrated, they become holy. And so you have to reverence them. And so they don't just have the normal usage that they used to. They become something more important, something you can use to offer worship to God. Like I said earlier, I think I should lay more emphasis on this today, be the last day of this timeline. Let us remember not to worship God the way we want to, but the way he wants us to. Most times we make we make new um, resolutions. Okay, every single day I want to worship God for three minutes. I want to read my Bible for an hour. I want to praise God for 30 days. I don't know if it's just me. I do make these things a lot. But so, so often we do not keep up to those resolutions or promises. We end up falling short. And okay, sometimes you might say, okay, um, in the evenings I want to just read my Bible. And then probably in the evening you figure out that you have something more important. Probably you have a meeting or you have to finish up your chores. And then you leave that. You know what? Okay, right after I do my chores, I'm, I'm going to pray. I'm going to read my Bible. And then you end up forgetting and then you sleep off. So many times we take our resolutions and our sacrifices that involve God. We take those things for granted. So if you're in that shoe, if you know that shoe fits you, please try and make amends. 
Because God does not take promises as a joke. He takes them very seriously. Another thing I'd want to um, add is the fact that um, it also stated in Exodus that there was like the cloud. And so every single time the cloud, um, I mean, the, when the temple was finished and then it was consecrated, the cloud rested on the temple so much so that Moses could not even enter inside anyways. That's just that. And then the cloud, um, when it remained on the temple, the Israelites did not move. They made camp there and they stayed there as long as they stayed. And then the moment the cloud was lifted up, then they moved and then they changed the location and changed camp. Pretty much, it's just saying that we go when God goes. We move when God moves. And then if God asks you to stay and to wait and to hold on, how willing are we to hold on? There's so many times I, I just want to do things my own way because I'm just so tired of waiting. The waiting period is one of the frustrating times of your life. Trust me. You cannot just wait for the results to come up because you just, you just want to get things over with already. The pressure during the waiting period is, is just... <laughs> if you can't, if you, you're not the type that is patient, man, it will drive you nuts. But that is what it means to follow God. Like... You don't have the final say. You don't get to you don't get to say when to move or when to take action. God does and you hand over that authority and that power to him. So when he asks you to wait, you wait. When he asks you to move, whether you're ready or not, you trust him that he's going to give you the grace and the strength you need to move on. And you pack up your things and you move. Thirdly, third thing and final thing that I'd like to um, note is from the book of Leviticus and where it talks about the votive offering. So pretty much what this was all about was that, you know, only the Levites were consecrated and allowed to serve God physically in the temple. But if there was any other person that wanted to serve God that was not a Levite, you cannot physically go to the temple because you're not a Levite, but you can offer the value of your services. So like there we saw like different value depending on your gender and also your age grade and to me, this just kind of um, told me that there is no excuse for not serving God. So, like, the people in those days could not give the excuse that, oh, they couldn't serve God because they were not Levites and they were not allowed in the temple. No, there was, there, was also, there, were always, there was also another way. Like, you don't have to physically be there to serve God. You can offer the value of your services in terms of money, in terms of animal, in terms of materials, or any other thing you can offer. So there is no excuse you not to serve God. Same it is in our time. Whether you're a pastor, whether you own a ministry, whether you're a priest or a bishop or you're a reverend sister or you're just part of the clergy, whether you're just part of the congregation or you're just an average Christian like me, you have no excuse not to serve God. By serving God, I don't just mean personal prayers and personal Bible reading. I'm talking of evangelism. I'm talking of actually telling people about God, actually living the entire scripture through your life there is no excuse for not doing that regardless we are part of the royal priesthood we can offer sacrifices to God as well we can get to invite people to this family we can get to worship God the way he wants to be worshipped we can get to love him and love the people he has created the way he wants us to and so you have no excuse unfortunately we do what he wants us to do and um, with that, we have come to the end of the third timeline, Egypt and Exodus. I am so, so happy. And I say big congratulations to those of you that were patient 
enough to um, follow me on the journey up until this moment. Tomorrow we will be starting a new timeline, Desert Wanderings, where we see how the people of Israel moved and coped through the desert, which is um, taking readings from the book of Numbers, Deuteronomy, and also Psalms. And so with that, I say goodbye to you guys. Thank you so much for listening this far. Stay blessed, stay safe, and have an amazing day. I will see you guys tomorrow.